0: Evening, kids. It's Monday night. It's Love Pod 27. We're sorry, so sorry for not bringing you the podcast yesterday. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by Daniel Murphy for potentially the final time uh, before he heads off to become a real man. Daniel, university awaits. Are you all set? Have you, have you bought your pots and pans? Have you got your pens already in your, your little Avengers pencil case? Everything all set?
1: Uh, you should see the, like, the stock of toilet roll I've got. It's unreal because my dad owns a factory basically and he gets toilet roll delivered, He's basically got like, it's like a, just a package, like a supply drop of toilet roll, which should do me well, but apart from that, yeah, it's got loads of shite, like, plastic box Tupperwares, just getting filled with food and cleaning stuff, and all the other shite, a bag full of pens, and you know, all, oh, that, wow. all that type I, of, all that jazz.
0: I, I remember getting in my dad's car with me, with me duvet, and me, my um, crate of pot noodles from Costco, all yeah. ready to go there for the first day, and the best thing dad ever did, he'd give me 20 quid as he left, i go and buy a pint for people that you bump into, best oh, really? way of making uh, making yourself introduced to all these different characters you see at university, you'll be fine my friend, Thanks. also uh, we have uh, we have young down the manny road Tom with us today, I added the young in there just so that you don't feel like I do when you're talking to kids at <laughs> university age Tom, uh, how have you been mate, you had a good week?
2: Yeah not too bad, wonders one so it, life seems
0: far brighter doesn't it? It certainly does, the world's a rosy place and we've had uh, some interesting reports tonight of the under twenty-one uh, under twenty-one development squad, whatever you want to call it, the reserves winning a game against Millwall with another goal from our mate Jamie Thomas, um, no doubt we'll discuss him in, at some point in the coming weeks as well as he starts to push towards the first team, but we'll come to the first team straight away to talk about our glorious 2-1 win over Wolverhampton Wanderers, but possibly the most comfortable and comprehensive 2-1 win I've seen for, for many a year. Um right, Dan, come to you first on that one. Thoughts on the game in general. Obviously Feeney and Klus scored a goal of Obi with a dodgy penalty won by uh, Adam Lafonge and more of whom later. <laughs> but what were your what were your you know general ideas, general thoughts about the game and the win?
1: I thought we were very, very, very good and it was very pleasing to see. I thought I think Lennon changed the setup a little the smallest a bit. He got instead of a more four two three one, it was more of a four four one one, just ever so slightly so Clough was getting closer to Medin so he was on the ball a bit more and the wingers seemed to be coming back a bit and get, being able to get on the ball and bring it forward but it's a, that slight tactical change made us a lot seemed to work and just made us a lot more attacking than we were against Blackburn and I think yeah it was just a very good victory pretty, apart from a couple of hiccups which I'm sure we'll move on to when we go into that same debate again we were very solid defensively and going forward we were pay, we were fast, we were Skillful, we counter attack well, and I can't remember a Bolton team that was actually good at doing count, you know, good on the counter. So, with the pace and we've got in the team now, that's surely something that Lennon will look to exploit further as we go forward. But, yeah, just a very pleasing victory. Two, well, one good goal, a very well taken penalty that'll do Clough the World a good, hopefully. And, yeah, just very, very pleasing to get us a win against a team who. Even though like like we said last week, they've, they're a bit of a wounded animal at the minute, especially you know with the, with the losses of Dicko and Stearns. But they're a good team, and they'll be up, you know, they'll be up at the upper top half of the table when the season comes to a close. So it was a good win against a good team.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with. I think it was it was really good. I mean, I, I tweeted before the game. I think we, we're actually building a pretty good team on the sly. Um, yeah, I yeah. think it, we, we might not have had the re, the results that our performances deserve. But I think we are. I think we've got a decent goalkeeper, probably in the top three or four in the league. Our defence is looking very, very solid, which is interesting for a, a group of complete not strangers before the start of this season. Midfield is good. I'm happy with the midfield, and, and you know, other than missing the goal scorer, which obviously is a pretty large element of being a decent football team, I think we're doing all right. I was really, really happy with the performance. Obviously, we had our nervy twenty minutes in there, but all, all games where it's only a goal in it are always got an element of nerves. Um, definitely not not caused by any central defenders or anything like that. Um, but I, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought we deserved the win, and we, we, we probably could have walked away with a four or a five, or without any 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 complaints. And Wolves certainly not complaining. Uh, Tom, I'll come over to you before I end up blathering on too much. Um, Feeney and Clough amongst the goals. I think the goal for Clough will do him the world a good. Would you say?
2: Yeah, he, he look. He's been struggling for confidence a little bit. You can tell that teams have man-marked him and, and targeted him and I think at the minute if you stop Clough then you're 75% of the way to, to stop him Bolton yeah. at the minute um, so yeah, to get a goal under his belt, um, I'm sure he'll do him the world of good, and that, I mean I've suggested it before, I know you've disagreed with me Chris but you know the, there might be games where he comes on off the bench and has an impact and changes the game and that could do uh, a bit for his confidence as well but he, he's a good player he's a, but he's a young lad at the same time and these little things, like getting his first goal out of the way, and maybe having a better game than he's done in recent games, um, might, might just might just turn a corner for him this season.
0: Definitely, I mean, I, I do think there's something to be said said for for maybe taking a bit of time out as the season progresses. Certainly not over the course of the next few weeks, from my point of view. I don't think there's any other way of getting uh, of getting confidence in his in his game than by playing and scoring goals, but. Uh, one, hopefully, many more to come as well. Because he was really good on Saturday. He was much more like the Clough of old. He was darting here, there, and everywhere. He was giving the defense real problems. I mean, let's not forget he scored two against Wolves last season. So clearly, he's, he likes playing against them. And and why not when they're playing in that way? It was by far, by far the worst Wolves team I can remember coming yeah. to the Reebok in we in, in many Sweden, a year. We,
1: they, without, apart from the obvious goal threat, they don't have. They don't seem to have that much behind them. And even when no. he, I thought Ojo oh, would offer more when he came on, he suffered nothing really.
0: Yeah, well, even even the two main boys, Afobie and, uh, and we will come to them in a minute. But really, not really not impressed. Really not impressed at all. But that uh, it's interesting to see how, how how we coped with the danger. But I think you're definitely missing the likes of Stearman at the back and the uh, the pace of Dicko on the counter against our defence. Most definitely. Um, I'm just going to mention quickly. Um, Dan Feeney scored a good goal. Uh, I saw it, I saw it again on the highlights. I know in real time I was concerned that he was going to get the whistle blown against it for maybe he a little bit. of a... failed, a little bit of a nudge on the full-back, but I'm wondering what you thought about it.
1: Yeah, I thought me, when we scored it, I went to him and I like he's fouled him there, he looks like he's pushed him but he's, he didn't really, It was just more of a like a, the defender seemed to like miscalculate the bounce or whatever, then Feeney just shoulder barged him, turn, did a smack I think he was waiting for Clough to come onto it I think that's what he wanted to do and that's why he seemed to delay a bit on the ball, but then he you know, Ivan Classic chest, did the turn and smashed it into the corner, so yeah, very confident finish from Feeney, which you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to be that composed in front of goal, but yeah, it was a very good finish, and I'm happy. It's like Feeney's been good the past three or four games now, and it's nice to see him in his natural position playing quite well. I thought he put in a few good balls in for Medine on Saturday, which obviously, you know, with Medine didn't really come to much, but he's playing well at the minute, and it's good to know, you know, it's good that even our average players like Feeney and Dan's are stepping up this season, for now at least.
0: Yeah, the the pace on the counter-attack, isn't it, that's really, really important. We, we've shown it a few times where the goalkeeper would take it on, he would then throw the ball out to Feeney on the run, or, or it would pass to someone like Vela or Dans before he went off injured. And, and it really did offer us something on the counter. Obviously, we've not got mad pace throughout the whole team, but him and Wellington on either flank, I think he's a really, really positive, uh, positive attacking outlet for us. Now, we'll talk a little bit about Wolves' plays in a minute or two, um, but we'll just talk about... Uh, the two players mentioned just previously there. Obviously, we alluded to Prince, um, and I've written about him quite extensively on the site over the past weekend. I had a bit of a heavy Saturday night, and I woke up on Sunday morning with about seven articles um, scheduled, which I didn't quite remember writing every single one, including one about Laurie Wilson being a, a class fullback. I, I thought That just came out of nowhere, but I thought he played really well. Um, but Prince and Derek Asade to start with. Um, Tom, I'll come to you first on that one. Prince, obviously, is a maverick genius, uh, and we love... We love Maverick geniuses at this club. We we, we held held Elod's Chief in such high esteem when he was clearly just some sort of nutcase. And I think we've got another one potentially on our hands here. Uh, But would that characteristic in a central defender bother you? Or do you think it's more about the bottom line and and how many goals we concede or don't concede while he's in the team? Uh,
2: Well, the the top and bottom of it is the defence has looked 100% better with him at the heart of it. And he's been. the, not not entirely the difference, but a huge part of that. And the defence is so much better with with him in it at the minute. I mean, he, he has got those minutes where your heart's in your mouth. And I, told you. The, the, I mean, there the will be there will be times this season where an error will lead to uh, an opposition chance or an opposition goal. But at the minute, his pace gets him out of trouble, um, and his reading of the game seems very good. I mean. We could have a we could have serious player on our hands here, and I'm I'm not uh, trying to exaggerate, but I think we could lose him to a to a Premier
0: League team if he carries on the way he started. I don't think you're wrong there at all. Um, Dan, I'll let you go first. I'll let you just get the the, the rubbish out of the way before I talk the, the truth about Prince. But I
1: agree uh, with you. That's the, that's what <laughs> it's just I'm a little bit more like. I feel like I'm a little level-headed about it. You seem to be completely disregarding the fact. You that see, this, this he is this is where I don't understand because
0: you, you can be so romantic about Tim Ream, and yet you can be so it's heartless bad. about you it's can bad. be so heartless about Prince. I
1: love, I, I love Prince. Don't get me wrong. I think him and Derek, are absolutely ace. I love them both Derek Smith. Think think is my new favorite player. Even you know another lad will come on to in a minute called Alex Samizardi, or whatever however you say it. But um, I love I love Prince. But I just said it. I saw it straight away that he's a bad dad and he's got. I, I'm sure him and Derek kicked a forward in the head at least four times on Saturday and they never got caught up for it. I don't know how. It's just like they seemed just mad and obviously he gave away the penalty for, you know, it, it seemed soft but, and, but you know, he he did grab Lafondre and then fall into the floor but I, I wasn't too bothered about that. It's that back pass when he, you know, not even the back pass sorry, when he just dilly-dallied on the ball and passed it straight to a full I think it was. Now obviously nothing came of it because, you know, we've got a keeper who can deal with things and we've got you know, he's got his pace, so we've got a good defence, so it doesn't necessarily matter that much if he's making mistakes and he's made two massive mistakes two games in a row, which he hasn't been you know, he hasn't been punished for. But sooner or later, which was my point, I wasn't I'm not being negative about it, I'm just the you know, hard fact. He'll make a mistake at some point in the season, a bad one, and we will concede off it. But he hasn't yet, so That's it's not out. good.
0: Well, you, you're possibly right. You're also possibly wrong because there's no guarantee. Obviously, it's life in it. You don't know what's going to happen. But I think him and Derek are quite a good contrast, aren't they? Obviously, you've got Derek, who I, I was I, first time I'd seen him play, and I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, but he seems, you know, pretty level-headed, no nonsense, and for someone that's brought up at Real Madrid, he seems delightfully uh, ready and really happy to just twat the ball 50 yards forward when the when the occasion but calls for he's it so as well. So good on the ball as well. He's, he is. He's, he's very composed, isn't he? And for a little fellow, he won a hell of a lot of, uh, of aerial battles as well, which I didn't I didn't expect him to do. Now, I appreciate Lafondra and Afobi are, you know, what's like sort of ground-based centre-forwards, I guess you could say. They're not going to be necessarily yeah. ripping, through, ripping through aerial battles and so on and doing like that. But... And, uh, Derek and Prince, I think they were a really positive partnership and they look pretty comfortable, I think, as well. Um, one player who maybe looked slightly less comfortable and um, we'll try not to rip him too much was Medina. Again, he really struggled. He had a couple of decent chances, um, at least a couple of decent chances. Squ- squandered them all. Um, Tom, are you concerned that the ongoing lack of goals from someone who is ostensibly our main centre-forward... Um, it, it, you know the games are racking up now without him scoring. Do you, do you see any any break on the horizon for him, or do you think he's maybe someone that you could look at taking out of the firing line? Maybe with the likes of Heskey coming in to to give him a bit of a break.
2: Well, he, he's going to score. He, he, he's going to score this season. Um, it, whether or not it'll be the floodgates opening, I'm, I'm not convinced. Um, I mean, if you look at his record in previous seasons, he's never really been a 15, 20 goal a season player, especially at this level. Um, he, he does look short of confidence, but on the flip side, I don't think the second that one goes in, that uh, he's going to turn into a goal machine and, and, and start bagging every week. My, my only concern with with Heskey starting is that you know he's not going to get through through 90 minutes. Um and, and, and then you bring in Medine on hoping that he'll change the game and at the minute um, he's, he's, he's not having a positive impact in the final third is he? So the only worry I'd have with, with Heskey starting is you know that 60-70 minutes into the game it's going to have to change um, and I don't know whether or not Medine would be a positive impact at the minute.
0: No, and I think that they're very, very much a like-for-like like thing as well, which is why I was so surprised that he didn't come on for her, for Medine at weekend. He came on for Clough instead as well, which got a few people upset. But obviously the manager knows what he's doing, I believe. Um Heskey, of course, missed a, well maybe the simplest chance of the whole game as well. Oh, when I he, I think
1: it was a very good save. That to be fair.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Don't get yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I that, do, I do that agree. That keeper was
1: but... very good. He kept us out at least four Ultimately, times. Ultimately.
0: Ultimately, he was stood five or six yards in front of the goalkeeper on his own esky, and he still managed to hit it at the goal. so, I, I, yeah. I agree the goalkeeper deserves some credit on there, but I do believe it is a, a normal—I say normal—a a, a decent top top of the range striker would have Probably. buried that with, with no problem at all. But centre forward was a difficult one. Um, where do you stand on the Medine debate, Dan?
1: I think it's just so annoying because he does the hard bit, like the the chance in the, uh, the at the end of the game when he went clean on through. He brought the ball down, he beat their centre-backs who were tanks in their own right and got past them. And then he just squanders the chance. And and, the, and the, It's not even that one. Uh, that one wasn't the one that annoyed me too much. It was the one in when was silver, put it on a plate for him and he smashes it high and wide. Like you've got six yards out there, the ones yeah. you've got to be burying. You're not going to get a better chance than that when you're low and comfortable, apart from a penalty, which you can't score either. But it's just... He need, he does need a goal, but like Tom said, I'm, if if he had a scored that Forest that penalty against Forest, I might have said, right, I think he'll get a few goals now. But now I'm just I don't know if he will come good. Now I'm afraid to say, I just don't see. Yeah, it,
0: it, it's a tough one. I mean, let's you know, trying to really be realistic about it, there are only half, there's only half a dozen games going uh, gone. I mean, it, it, looking at his career and his career history. It shouldn't really come as too much of a surprise to us, perhaps. I mean, it's disappointing after the way he started the pre-season and yeah. the likes of Mark Davies couldn't really have done much more to, to put a goal on a plate for him. Um, how he's playing do you think-
1: well, though. Sorry, just to quickly... He is playing well on the... Like He's winning stuff and he's... he's my only prob- My real problem with Medina is not those there's chances missing. It's that he doesn't seem to have that anticipation. He's always on his heels instead of his toes. Like, when a chance comes in, he's not... He's not Yulafondra, who's alive and ready to take anything that drops to him. Just, but apart from that, he's you know he's leading the line. When we've got nothing else, he's doing it, you know, as best as he can. He's winning balls. He's keeping the ball up there a bit. So I'm still not completely judging him yet. But by all means, continue.
0: Yeah, I, I, I personally don't. I think he suffered a lot from being booked at weekend. It seemed to take yeah, a, lot of the bite, a lot of the bite out of his game. And obviously, he's, he's a physical kind of guy. And when he's not got that aspect to his game, it, you know, he loses his teeth, so to speak. Like Kevin Davies used to, if he had a booking, um, it, it, you know, it would make him think twice about coming into a tackle. When when your game's based on on physicality, it can mean a lot of the, a lot of times you are just in there like a spare dick at a party, aren't you really? Um, Tom, I'm just going to come to you before we we move on to talk about the Wolves lot. Uh, Moxie had another good game, um, but I think one of the main the main guys, one of the ones that perhaps people were surprised didn't win the, the line of Vienna Man of the Match this weekend, was Mark Davies. Uh, he's really, really benefiting, I think, from the responsibility afforded to him by Lennon as a, as a result of him being the, the temporary captain at the moment. Um He's looking fit, looking fit than I can remember him looking ever as well. In, in at least in the last two or three seasons, uh, hit, keeping Mark Davies fit is crucial. Do you think that, uh, that there's a possibility we could really see the the ultimate Mark Davies at, at long, long last this season?
2: Well, it's just about due a, a knee ligament injury now, isn't it? Because he's <laughs> do he's it. he's playing he's playing really well week in week out, and this is the sort of time where just when we start to. Uh, pin our hopes on him this is when he seems to, uh, to pick up an injury doesn't it but he's playing really well he's playing really well I mean I still think he's playing deeper than, than his best position um, I think if you look at the runs that he makes and the things that he makes happen if he was doing that 10-15 yards further up the field I think he'd be creating lots of chances for us but he's playing really well um, and it has been a long time since we've seen him at that at that sort of level I mean Went in the season in which we went down when he played in central midfield with Rio Coker. I think that's the last time we saw the best of him. Um, and if you think how long ago all that was, what was that? Twenty eleven, twenty twelve. So coming up, coming up
0: for four, five, for four, four five years since. But. Dan, uh, from your perspective, I mean, some of the runs that Mark Davies did—he's clearly, clearly a class above this uh, yeah, this level that, that he's playing at the moment. That that one I mentioned when he set Heskey up was—it mm. just reminded me of bloody Paul his pump. You know, it's like a, a a Lionel Messi kind of dribbling run where he went past four or five players, ran more or less half the length of the pitch, and dribbling past them close control. It had it had the absolute lot. It was so so impressive to see. But then it, it made me think of the podcast we had a couple of weeks ago when we we sort of. We're a bit bothered at the fact that he never shoots, does he? He never shoots. Maybe sometimes he needs to be a bit more selfish. Realise that he's got the potential, he's got the, the class and the ability. He's better than Just, everyone else. And, and he's better and, and yeah, and exactly, he's got more composure and more elegance about his game and the people that he's likely to pass to. And so, why shouldn't he have a shot, really?
1: Yeah, I've got a few. Po- I want to touch on a few points you all made there. Firstly, on the captain thing. I remember a few po- like a few months ago now when the, the the next captain debate was coming up and the, the candidates were. Ream Good Johnson Prattley, and I just I just, c- c- just mentioned it because he was our longest serving player after Bogdan leaving what about Davis and then I said like he doesn't seem like that type of character and, and all that type of stuff and then but I thought just because he is our longest serving player and he but he I'm surprised he's, he surprised me even though I like called it then how much he is taken the armband on board and how much it has elevated him when you look at the likes of Nolan and, and I hear Okocha who the armband kind of, ruined, you know, not ruined him completely, but you know, brought him down a bit. Couldn't cope with it, that type of pressure. Matt Davis seems to, I no, no, he seems the maturity and the responsibilities just seem to buoy him. He seems he's taking, the, he is taking the game out scuffing the neck, not like you Roy Keane type of fashion where you're gonna you know punch someone in the face. It's more he's t- he's getting hold of the ball and taking it forward himself, and that's going on to the point where you're saying still saying about him playing further forward, Tom. Whilst I agree, he's best position positioned further forward, but with Clough there, we want we want to be playing Clough as well, don't we? Obviously, so I think Davis he's, he can still do everything he would do centre attacking mid in centre midfield anyway, and I think as, as he showed with that run for escape, and I think though the defensive side of his game has improved so much as well. I think, in the first half, in the first yeah, half yeah. of put He's foot in the knee a couple yeah. of times. And I think that's like, I don't know if that's, you know, he's maturing as a player now, he's got the captain's armband on, he's got the responsibility and all that, and he's just winning the ball quite... You no, know, he's just, he's perfect for that position, I think. If we can, if we can keep him for, for the season, then, and get, you know, obviously the caveat of getting a striker in of some sort, we could go far, and that's my final point on Davis, it's more of like a reflective one. If... We was talking last podcast about how few games he's played. If he had stayed fit, he'd, he'd be playing for England, and that's not even. No, that's not even saying. Oh, I'm a Bolton fan. I'm being biased. He'd be playing for England if he could stay fit, because he would have got yeah a move that, ages ago.
0: Absolutely, and we've not got many players like that. Have we in English football? You know, the likes of Joe Cole. Um, uh, you know, like I say, uh, even in like a very, very old, younger Paul Gascoigne version. That some of the confidence to run. is very almost like a continental player, Tom. Um, would you think that Matt Davies has still got more to give? Obviously, he's, he's still a young man relatively. Um, do you think we've still got a lot more to give in terms of what he, what he could bring to Bolton? Do you, I mean, playing from the back, obviously, as he as he does get a bit older, obviously, the, the pace that he had is never equivalent to a sprinter. It's a it's a question of running, running with the ball at speed, and sometimes coming from deep gives you a bit more space to do that. Would you do you think there's something in that?
2: He's he's good with with the ball at his feet, definitely. Sometimes you I mean sometimes you look at him running and you're convinced that he isn't going to lose the ball. You rarely see him dispossessed without someone actually fouling him. He's got a lot to learn in that central midfield position. I mean, David Vaughan's goal from uh, from the Forest game. If you look, he's had four touches before putting the ball into the back of net. Don't get me wrong; it's a brilliant strike. But the player closest to him was Mark Davis, and he was just giving him a little bit too much room, considering he was he was twenty five yards out. He's, he's playing well, and like you said, I don't think um, the number ten position is going to be coming up for grabs for him. Um, and as you said, as he's getting older, maybe as his as his legs start to uh, to go a little bit, it might be something that he needs to uh, to adapt to playing in central midfield. But at the minute, he's playing he's playing really well. Um, one thing, one thing I want to pick up on is one thing you've said, Dan, about um, how he's playing well with the captaincy. I agree, but he's not a leader, is he? I,
1: he's not like a. He's not, he's your not a captain.
2: He's not a captain. He,
1: I could see him being a lead by example type player, though. You know what I mean? That type of, you know, just with his experience and being the longest-serving Bolton player now, I think he makes a very good vice captain. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd still. I think probably still would be my first choice, but. I think he does a good job of it. He's not your shouted type, definitely, but I think there's something about him. There's like an aura about him with him being easily our best player and that type of thing and being here for so long. It's just something about him that I think just makes him, it suits him a lot better than I thought it.
0: It's certainly not weighing heavy on him, is it? I no. mean, he's, he's he's bearing it with the the maturity that perhaps we, we didn't we didn't know he had. But he's he's doing really well, and I think that uh, when I take over the FA, the teams nominating a captain is going to be one of the things that I'm going to do away with anyway. Because in the modern game, you don't need a captain; it's a ceremonial thing. If a player's got he's got a mentality of a leader, that's going to come out in his personality on the pitch. You know, you don't need an arm, a bit of cloth wrapped right around your arm to be a leader. I don't think in this day and age. But he's done well. And obviously Prattley's the, the nominated captain, but Dave is certainly doing nothing wrong at this minute in time. Uh, on the subject of doing nothing wrong, and um, just to broach the topic of returning players as well, we saw Adam LaFondra make his, his euphoric comeback to the Reebok at weekend. Now, he got a good reception, which he, he thoroughly deserves. Uh, but then he spent the entire game proving that maybe we had a bit of a, a bit of an escape with the way that he behaved. Uh, personally, I was really disappointed in him. He, he's had a reputation in the past of being a bit of a diver, um, being a bit of a moaner and so on. But God blimey, he was doing my tits in, absolutely off my head on on Saturday with anger towards the guy. He was just chucking himself to the ground every chance he got. He was barely, barely trying to to play the game. He was just looking for little opportunities here and there, which he did to a point when he played for us. But I thought he was really, really bad for it on Saturday. Um, And it was quite disappointing to see. Obviously, he didn't score. Um, he, he barely had a, a kick at goal um, he was marshalled pretty pretty well by the defense but dan um elfie's performance obviously his reception's a totally different thing. You can address both yeah um, how, how do you think he did on, on that weekend
1: yeah applause i think there's you know it was not a rapturous cheer or anything it was just a polite applause which he deserved and he, he had his applause back prepared man, his hands were up straight away he knew it was coming but um <laughs> He had, yeah, he had, that. he had his tweet. I bet he had his tweet saved in drafts and everything. Yeah, Jesus Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, it's a, I think that's just the type of player he is. I think we may have, you know, sugar-coated it or overlooked it when he played for us. I don't remember him being... I don't remember him being a diver particularly for he'd, he'd... You know, if a defender came in on him, he'd go down easily, shall we say. But I don't remember him being a, a particular diver. Not the level of Matt Davis a few years ago. Certainly not. But, um, yeah, I think... You know, when the cheers, when the applause turned to booze, I thought it was sarcastic at first, but they soon turned not sarcastic, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I think it was sarcastic from, especially where I was stood, uh, at where I was sat. Obviously, people were giving him a bit of jip for, for chucking himself to the floor, but it was quite polite in the in the first uh, first fifteen minutes or so. Until it until it did start to get a bit irritating. Um, Tom, I, I know you, you've confessed to not, not attending the game, uh, which is pretty unforgivable in the world. In the, the ages, you've been a shit fan. Um, but Lafondre was a real concern before the game. But are you happy with the way the defenders dealt with him on a on the basis that he didn't score and it really looked like scoring either because he's a dangerous dangerous player to keep on top of.
2: Yeah, when it went when it went to two one, I um, I thought, well, here we go, Lafondre last minute equaliser. Um, I thought it was that was the script, but um, by the sounds of it, it seems like Derek and Prince dealt really well with them. Um and to be honest, he's a, he's a difficult player to play against Lafondra because he's, he's quick, he gets in behind the last one, but he's got that little naughty streak about him as well. Um, like you said, possibly going down a bit too easily uh, and having a bit of a moan. But we saw that last season and that's part of why we took to him. Because yeah. he, he's got a bit a bit of a naughty side to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of the... We, we know what a good striker he can be and if we can deal with Lafondra, then we can deal with... The majority of strikers in the division.
1: I'll tell you something, Tom. You touched on something there. How you said the script when it was two, it was two one going into the last few minutes. Um, it was you know he's probably going to score. Last season we have drawn that game. I think it's a sign to the quality Lennon's instilled now. The fitness he's got the players playing at, and just the stronger mentality and confidence we've got now. And last season we definitely would have drawn that game. So absolutely, all, all looking up.
0: Yeah. absolutely. No, it was, it was impressive and I was really impressed with the way that we kept Tafobi quiet as well. Just just briefly give give the, uh, the opinion to both of you on that one. I thought he was really quiet. Um, it, it wasn't particularly dangerous on the ball. Obviously he scored a penalty, but that's a penalty. You know, he should, should be scoring that anyway. Didn't really affect his general game. Um, Dan, uh, how do you think phobie did? Because I, I really was a bit worried in advance of the game, but yeah. it looked like after it, it was pretty simple.
1: The only thing that he impressed me with was his pace and my days he's fast, Christ alive, um he eats up space like I don't know what but yeah he didn't I think Prince and Derek just roughed him up in the first 20 minutes and he didn't do anything after that and like I said they both kicked him in the head at least four times and he he got he got a handball given against him after Neil Dand did the most blatant handball I've ever seen in oh the world. Oh my God, yeah, that was outrageous. He just <laughs>
0: basically, basically like, like a rugby pass went behind It was unbelievable.
1: He was, was, was on the it, floor and then he punched it. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? And then like two minutes later, a thought we didn't get away with one. I think he just, the referee was on him and then he got roughed up and he just didn't look like, he didn't get any chances really and I think that's Wolves' lack of creativity in midfield.
0: Definitely, uh, Tom. Just to just to bring this start, this stage to an end again, it's no real need to go over it in the same words. But a phobia was dealt with as as Alfie was. Um, it does bode well for the the coming season. The fact that we are so looking so solid at the back. And are you in, are you surprised at how quickly they've kn- they've knitted together as well as the goalkeeper? I mean, he he was rock solid yet again. Um, but it's good that we can develop this this defence over such a short period and look a thousand times better than last year. Do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've maybe. Um taking it a little bit for granted with Amos, um, assuming that because he's coming back that he'll he'll slot in naturally. Luckily, he has. Um, but yeah, having Prince and, and Derek together, both being young centre-backs, um, I'm 99% certain they won't have the best grasp of the English language. It did concern me a little bit. Uh, but it sounds like they, they set off really well. Um, but they've come up against pace, haven't they? So let's see. Um I mean I've got full confidence in Prince against the target man. Uh, but let's see how they get on against uh, some of the, the well, bigger and badder centre forwards
1: Wednesday strike striker um, when we play Wednesday, Nah Nahu, whatever it's called, the big lad, that'll be their test. We'll see how good they are then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one, um, and we'll wrap this short segment up that we plan to be 15 minutes, which currently stands at 31. Um, and we'll be back in just a moment or two when we'll go through all the fresh Prince news in the, in the Bolton Wanderers world. Uh, so stay where you are. We'll be back after this short break. Okie okay, not welcome back to Segment 2 of Love Pod 27. Uh, your host is Chris, uh, your tech whiz is Dan, and your attractive game show assistant remains Tom. We're talking about the latest week in uh, Bolton Wanderers news, including a couple of bits and pieces as to the week before that we couldn't sneak, uh, couldn't sneak in, plus some bits that's just broken today as well. We'll come to them momentarily. Uh, first, though, this weekend saw the debut, the, the debut of uh, the new screen at the Reebok. Well, supposedly it's the first of its kind in Europe, so... Yeah. Anyway, been a bit of a mixed reaction from the fan base. Some people not happy, some people indifferent, and some people impressed. But Dan, what was your point of view? And first, maybe give us an, a bit of an idea where you sit, and we can judge where, what the experience was like from your uh, your point of view.
1: Well, I sit. Well, I sat for the Wolves game even, and um, that not that uh, Loft House upper, practically halfway line. So I'd have had to twist my neck at a full angle to see it. If you get me. That's what I'm looking. That's what I was doing. Okay. But, um, I knew this was coming. The screen, because I'm um, when I did that meeting for the supporter singing thing a few weeks ago, they talked about it. Then how the old screen was dying. It you know, it could die at literally any moment, and they need a new one. It was all due to if they could get the funding from, uh, you know, like supporter, not but support, like lottery stuff and development, it's all that type of stuff. I can't remember. Yeah. Precisely. But um, they've got it, and it sounded really good then, and it's the the, all the stuff, the promise, I think and I think it delivered to me. It was a little bit slow. needs some bedding in, you know, like with the players coming out and the uh, fan camps and whatnot. So it's a little bit rusty. you needs, still needs a bit of, just a bit of, um, I can't remember the a word. tweaking. Yeah, and that type of stuff. But I thought it was really good. I think it's novelty. I like how the clock's on all the time. And I hear it's a bit small from the other side of the stadium, but I thought it was good, me. I really liked it. And the video. I'm so happy we've got videos, like, you know, when a song's on pretty much because... We used to have like a new one of them every home match a few years ago back in the Premier League. I used to love watching them, and so yeah, I'm glad we got them back. And it's really good as well. The media team at Bolton deserve big props for that because it's a really good video.
0: Yeah, they've really stepped up, haven't they? In the last couple of years, become quite savvy in uh, in, in some really. ways, quite quite innovative as well, which is, which is really good. And um, a lot of people were complaining about the fact that it's a portrait screen. It's a kind of if you can imagine it, Tom, as a, as a kind of. 20 foot, 25 foot tall iPhone screen yeah it looks just it. like an iPhone
2: doesn't they it, have
1: yeah. the little ones in the concourse they have like smaller versions of them have you not seen it
0: they did I went for a wee halfway way through this, the first half because I had a couple of pints in fan zone before the game and uh, I saw one of the screens which was telling me that Gary Medine had a pass completion rate of 6%. I thought it was quite nice to consider whilst I was on the toilet. Um, but, yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's obviously going to take a bit of time to bed in. And, of course, our lot will, will moan at anything. If you tell them that we've got a 30-foot screen, well, they want to know why we've not got a, th- a 31-foot screen. You know, we're, we're that, sort of, uh, that sort of bunch, aren't we? But it's interesting and it's a, it's a good little quirk. I think it's going to develop as well over time and uh, something the club can probably look, can look to, to moving on, especially with highlights and things like that. One question I had for you, lads. Uh, why... Do why does the clock count up to ninety and then it says plus five injury time? Why doesn't it just say why? Doesn't, why doesn't it not count to ninety five? Tom, tell me why. Um, I would assume that it's to avoid uh the ref
2: getting into a situation where if he's chosen yeah. to 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 play more for time wasting or the time spent out of play, um, to 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 avoid that sort of controversy.
1: That's yeah. all I. Can, that's all I can. I'd mm-hmm. say it's either that because that makes sense. Like. For the game, but I think as well, it's more just to—they've got the clock set for that, and for having it to go any further, there's probably a lot of fanning about, and it's probably complicated to make it go any further because it's probably just set for that amount of time only. So I imagine that's what it is. I don't think many clocks go overnight on football team matches.
0: No, it's probably you're probably right. I was just curious as to why that. Uh, the, the thought that did cross my mind is that it might be something to do with that, as that's the reason why they don't show replays isn't it these days I guess because well, they, they did that in sort of... the
1: 2010 World Cup didn't they Mexico v Argentina when Argentina scored That's a I
0: was watching it on the telly weren't they I think yeah, I remember
1: that was mental, interesting.
0: interesting interesting ok well next topic on the list is, uh, is our new assistant manager we've obviously lost Johan Mialbi uh, who has been part of Lennon's backroom staff uh, ever since he took over at Celtic back in the day um, family reasons given us the understanding as to why he has gone obviously we don't know what they are we hope it's nothing too uh, too serious and um, but the replacement has been announced, uh, or is about to be announced. One, Steve Walford, a ex-Tottenham, Arsenal, Norwich, and West Ham defender, who spent time coaching managing teams such as Norwich, Leicester, Wickham, uh, and then he became pals with Martin O'Neill at Celtic. At let me see, Celtic, Villa, Sunderland, and the Republic of Ireland. Dan, uh, anything you can tell us about that? I know you've been following the, the press conference later earlier on today. When the news broke, what can you tell us about well, Mr. Yeah, Walford Lennon's relationship?
1: Well, yeah, basically, Walford's worked with O'Neill for years, and obviously Lennon he's based a lot of his managerial career, and you know owes a lot. You know, he's you know he loves Martin O'Neill. Done, he won cups with him, went Celtic, and all that type of stuff. And the impression I get is Walford has been always working with O'Neill whilst Lennon's been playing under O'Neill, so it's more so he knows him through that. And I think it's an interesting angle that to have someone on your coaching team who used to coach you so it's like it could be um, you know how Dougie was always had yes men next yeah, to yeah an
0: older head yeah an older head uh, an older head to maybe to guide him yeah and I think uh, not a like bit, a Lenny, La- Lenny Lawrence exactly, character uh, obviously uh, not a uh.
1: uh, big my main worry of Malby leaving is that like he's a defender defensive coach and obviously he's been with Lennon all through his career so I was worried that obviously Malby's done such a good job this season with the defence would that be bad but um Walford was a defender in his playing career, and I presume was you know he's a defensive-minded coach, so he should hopefully you know just slot straight in there with taking over from Melby, which I'm good he's leaving because he's a cool guy, Melby.
0: Yeah, plus he looks like Dolph Lundgren from *He-Man* as well, which is always always quite intimidating to visit in teams, no doubt. Uh, Tom, coming to you on the same topic, obviously Melby was a centre half. There's no, not, we don't really know for sure whether he's responsible for any. Defensive preparations or anything like that. You would, you would presume so. And um, but the fact that he's brought in somebody that's well known to him, someone who's older and more experienced in terms of a coach, that has to be a sensible decision, doesn't it? there's a few, a uh, few people wanting McGinley, a few people wanting <laughs> Kev, Kevin Davies, and I even saw a couple of people tweeting about Kevin Nolan being the new assistant. Did manager. anybody
1: ask for Campo? Because Campo always gets a shout. <laughs>
0: Campo, I'm sure Camper will, will walk over broken glass to be anything that's to be wanderers these days. Um, but Tom, uh, assistant manager, what, what sort of uh, importance do you place on that appointment? Uh, appointment, what's the word? Appointee, Appointship? I can't remember. Lost me. Appointment. That's the one. Bloody hell! It's only half past nine. I'm losing, <laughs> losing the power of speech. Uh, what do you think, Tom, about the new assistant manager? I'll keep it simple and call it that.
2: I think he's, I think he's done really well, Lennon. I think this could this could be a big change for Lennon because he's he's always had me by his side and i do think that the, an, an assistant manager is um is a big job um and a lot of it goes unnoticed you know managers are constantly under surveillance and, and assistants tend to go under the radar uh, i mean if you look at cluffy he he always said that without peter taylor he was he was nothing he said he was the you know he was the shop window and and peter taylor was everything going on behind the scenes um so it'll be a big change for him, but I think he's done well. You know, he's gone for someone that he knows, someone that he's he's worked either for or with before. So he'll know what his what his style's like. Um, I mean, for some some cases, an assistant manager we need a good guy in there. You know, if you've got um, particularly a Martin O'Neill type, who's known for shouting and bawling at his players. You know, someone to to walk back over, put an arm round and tell him how brilliant yeah. they are, and to to go out and prove him wrong. Um, so. It could have been, it can be, and could have been a big change. Um, losing, you know, the number two that he's always had, um, but I think he's, I think he's done well with sticking to what he knows. Uh, and I'm hoping that we don't see too much of a change.
0: Yeah, well, Lennon's not daft, is he? He's gonna, he's gonna pick somebody that he's comfortable dealing with and working with, and someone that he thinks he can, he can help improve the team as well. So that's great. We'll, we'll see, hopefully the appointment's going to be confirmed tomorrow, and we can, uh, we can look forward to Mister oh, yes. Walter being on the bench oh, possibly.
1: Obviously. We, if we was going to recall this on Sunday, was was going to go through like a list of candidates who thought would get it. So are you at all surprised that the likes of Thompson or even Davis haven't got the job? I know Davis would never have got it, but you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, no. Um, you, you sorry, Tom. You go first, by all means.
2: Sorry, mate. Um, I told I completely thought that Thompson was a shoe in for the job, but apparently he was sacked. For turning up at Celtic, turning up to the training ground, still pissed.
0: So yeah, it's um, been it's been, a, been a popular popular story that has done the rounds in the last week or so. Yeah, um, I didn't know that, but it's pretty 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 shabby, unfortunately. So yeah, once I found out about that, I have no idea who was coming in.
2: I, to be honest, I didn't even know who still Steve Warford was until this morning. No, no did so. Know but, you know,
1: it seems like Dave, I think Davis was a bit of a romantic option. I if. You no, know, he could have maybe moved Parker to his assistant, then got Davison in as a coach. He could potentially have seen it working, but it was always more of a you know, people romanticising, wasn't it?
0: Oh, without, without question. And, and Davis is obviously, you know we reckon he's probably got a career as a coach lined up, hasn't he? But perhaps at Wonders one day, maybe not just yet. An assistant manager role is very important, like we've already said. Um, it's maybe not something that you can cut your teeth doing that straight away. Um, plus with Gary Parker on the scene as well Brunskill in the back room We've got, got a lot of experience in the ranks too And, and Walford definitely seems to have uh, have that in spades um, Speaking of experience um, We've had debate over the past week or so Ever since the news broke about Kevin Nolan being, being binned off by West Ham uh, Supposedly by mutual consent But we all know what that means Tom, um, I'm going to come to you first on this one I would like you to tell us Why we should be looking to sign Kevin Nolan Off you go uh, he's a leader, which we
2: desperately need He knows how to get out of the division Which he's done three times um, And he scores goals, which we need as well um, This is not a, a romantic Let's bring back a former captain um, Without having any benefits This is a player that past is past his best But has got a lot to offer a team In the bottom half of the Championship Like we are Um And if he is interested in coming back, which at the minute looks um, possibly likely, um, then we'd we'd be stupid not to take Kevin Nolan on if it was at the right price.
0: Ethan, where do you stand on the debate?
1: I'm more, I'm fifty-fifty. I understand the arguments against full well. I know he's not got the legs for it. He's, you know, he's packing a bit of timber. I remember seeing the highlights of his only start for West Ham this season, and he played up front then. And he did not look very sharp. But on the other side, look at the position we're in financially. We can't, you know, beggars can't be choosers, really. And when you look at our strike force at the minute, you know, there's not a lot of goals in this team. And Nolan brings goals. And, you know, especially at this level, I think he could still do it. My only thing is, I know your argument's going to be look at that, love dog. They spin a Lof-Docker's while. So. A come while. to say,
0: he's come to he say, knows. to, come to, say ter- to you, That's why.
1: True. Um, with Nolan I think he wouldn't if we signed him and this would probably be your argument against it he'd, you'd say he's going to take close position or something along those lines but I don't think he will if we sign him he, we can't be a midfielder he's not got the legs he's not got the energy and we've got better players than him in for this division in midfield but with Nolan I could see him genuinely being given the number 9 and playing as the, as the striker with Clough in and around him playing up front with him to do the leg work for him because we've seen Clough play up front with a target man who's flicking the ball on and it's not worked that well Clough's not he can't win the ball on a bounce because most centre backs are about 8 foot wide like that number 30 for Wolves Jesus Christ he was a tank Hmm. and Clough just couldn't really get the hold of the ball if it was bouncing so with Nolan if he's bringing bringing the ball down getting it under control and then passing it off I could really see it working in my head does he have the legs for it does he have the desire for it does he have the willingness to drop his wage by about 90%, I can't answer those questions but unless we've got someone else in the pipeline and we're not going to get anyone as experienced to him and who's scored as many goals as him, if there's nothing else, if there's nothing better then we'd be stupid to say no.
0: I understand where you're all coming from and I feel like I say this every single week but I I think you both a bit wrong on this one. I, I totally get where you're both coming from in terms of having experience, in terms of what he can bring. But Dan, I, I don't feel... I, I was shaking my head shaking my head while you were talking about Kevin Nolan playing as a centre-forward. I mean, well, let's go through it bit by bit. Sure. Kevin Nolan's a number nine, doing the legwork. Well, there you are. You, you've got a, a bit of a hiccup there straight away. The lad couldn't run when he was 23. Oh, was He's saying, th- never mind room. 33 now. All right, OK, well, I misunderstood you there. But... But then as a, a centre-forward, involves a degree of physicality. Well, yeah, granted, he's got a physical presence. Well, that's because he's about four and a half, four and a half mile wide. <laughs> he always was a big fella. And I worry, worry, I worry about the pace of the championship. And I will come back then to a, a comment that Tom made in his article about, well, we accepted Good Johnson back. Well, I always said that Good, Good Johnson is a, he, a better footballer and, and that the pace of the, the game didn't really matter to Good Johnson because he had the class to slow a game down to his own pace. To dictate the pace completely, whereas I don't think Nolan has that in his locker. Um, and just to repeat a point I made on the on the article, I don't think he could play the same role that Mark Davies does. No, I don't definitely. Not. Think he could play the role that either the Wellington played or Feeney played at weekend as a as a counter attacking man on the break, which Lennon seems to to want to try and encourage from the team. I definitely don't think he could play uh, instead of Mark Davies. Um, I think Matt Davies, uh, not Matt Davies, uh, Zach Clough. Sorry, I think Zach Clough should always, always start every single game. I've said this many, many times, and I can't see Nolan being that eager to come back to Bolton that he would accept being a cheap alternative to a kid. Uh, I don't know why. There's just something, sort of feeling that I get in that he he would want decent money, and we can't afford to have decent money just sitting on the bench waiting for you know ten or fifteen minutes here and there when Zach gets uh, gets tired or gets injured. So, Chris, Chris, if we signed,
2: if we signed Kevin Nolan tomorrow. Who'd score more goals between now and the end of the season, Kevin Nolan or Gary Medine?
0: That's what I'm saying. though, no, I don't. I don't think you would play Kevin as a centre forward. Yeah, I don't think. He'd...
1: I think he would though, because like you said, and you're completely right. He's not. He won't. He can't. He's not better than Davis, Clough, Silver, Feeney. He's not better in those positions than any of our midfielders. But he's better than our strikers.
0: Yeah. But is he? But is he though? His, his goal scoring, his goal scoring years are behind him. I, 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 I think not,
1: if a ball swung into the box,
2: Gary Medina hasn't got goal scoring years behind him or in front of him.
0: No, he doesn't. Oh, are did right. He did right. But he's an actual centre forward playing that role, and I fully accept that players can thrive in other positions where maybe they wasn't expected to be able to thrive. And, and you never know. I could be completely wrong. It's happened once or twice before in the past as well. Um, but I just don't get the feeling from Nolan looking at him and looking at the mm-hmm. way he's, he's been in the last eighteen months. That maybe that sort of role would Which, suit him at this age, at this point in his career.
1: What about the fan boost? Do you take any credence with that? Like the good. Job yeah, definitely,
0: definitely, 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 definitely. And I can totally understand why they would do it from a business point of view. And don't get me wrong, if he's if he, if it's a good deal for the club, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against him signing because I think he'd be a real asset. Um, I just struggled at this minute in time to see where he would fit in the team. Now, obviously, he's an experienced Premier League player. It, they'll, they'll find a place in the team for him. It's only really my. Nervousness uh, that we seem to be looking at alternatives to a, a centre forward a position that we truly need and I'm talking about a, a naturalised centre forward mm. somebody that can come in and do a job which I know that they don't grow on trees and so we might not have a choice but if he's willing to come back and he's willing to uh, to you know to do a bit of a deal on his on his salary and so on then I'd be all for it also so, definitely
1: what so like yeah so if we couldn't no we're going to move on to Wilson and Lafferty in a minute who we've had strenuous links with the past week if we couldn't get anyone like that a natural striker would you take Nolan in the premise as that he's going to be a striker, not a midfielder. He's a position, he's a striker. Whether he's starting or coming off the bench, his position is up front and he's not going to play any midfield position.
0: Uh, oh, God. Well, I don't know because it's too much. From what I remember Nolan, the player that I remember Nolan being, I don't think he, he would have that in his game. But granted, I've not watched him up close and personal for the best part of 10 years. So whether he's developed and whether he could play that role is completely completely out out, out for me to say. I really don't know. Um, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to find out because I think he would he would add something to the team most definitely. Um, and let's so hope that comes off. you know if I had a, if he had to ask me to put my cards on the table right now, I'd say the deal looks more likely than not. Um, judging from what people have been saying over the course of the last yeah, let him days. actually
1: comment on, on it. Yeah, a bit of a that, t- t- that's what
0: I mean. It's quite unusual, I think, as well um, for for him to do that. I do think that if he was if he was to sign, it would be a massive boost to everyone, and that's definitely definitely something to to consider. Because we saw the impact that Good Johnson had last season, didn't we? As well, and, and Good Johnson really did make a big difference. Not saying they were on the same sort of pedestal, because as far as I was concerned, I, I'd never really a mad fan mm. at all. and all. I always thought he was mm. quite limited, and but he, he was you know we, we caught him in a good moment, as they say, uh, uh, especially but, with a foreign, with some foreign players. Sorry, in, go on.
1: In the fan, you know the reaction. Angle, he's a bigger legend than Good Johnson. Look, Good Johnson's easily the better player, absolutely miles. But Nolan's the bigger legend here, by quite a distance, I'd say. So that reaction would be, you know, you'd, you know, naturally, logically, yeah. you'd think it'd be tenfold, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, I, I would have thought so as well. And, and while I'd be happy about it, I think you, I probably do agree with you deep down that Nolan probably is more widely regarded by than Good Johnson is by mine. Um, you know, obviously, granted, the, the difference between the two is only a couple of years. I'm not saying it's like Nat Lofthouse and John McGinley sort of comparisons. But, uh, yeah, let's hope we have that debate when he, if he does sign forwards because obviously it would be interesting to see how he would fit in and how we would uh, we would integrate him into the team. Um, so it's a simple yes from you both, I think, then, isn't it, about whether we should sign Kevin Nolan or not?
1: If there's nothing else, then yes. And, um... Tom, is it?
0: Uh, unequivocal yes for myself, I presume.
2: It's it's not it's not unequivocal. It depends on on who the other who the other options are,
0: but uh, given the opportunity, yeah, def- yeah, I'd say yeah. Fair, dudes. Well, the response from the fan base has been largely positive, hasn't it? People that we've contacted, uh, people that we've spoken to, and you know, who've tweeted us, etc., seem pretty universal in their desire to see Kevin Nolan back at Wonders, which I can completely understand because he's got a really good pedigree. Um, at his peak, obviously, he, he should have, probably should have played for England, but he never got quite got that opportunity, did he, um, unfairly, in, in my opinion. When he was playing at his peak, I didn't think there was anyone who could do that sort of attacking midfielder uh, at least better than him. Obviously, we had the likes of Lampard and Gerrard in their pomp, um, but for him not to get a goal back in those days, was was certainly very disappointing from a Bolton fan. Equivalent to that, Kevin Davies not getting his chance, I think, as well. Um, both of them were at the peak they certainly deserved more of a chance at international level than they got. Right, OK. Um, so, next on the agenda, we've got James Wilson of Manchester United and less likely, in my opinion, is Carl Lafferty of, of Northern Ireland at J.D. Weatherspoons. Um, <laughs> Tom, come to you first on both. James Wilson and Carl Lafferty, obviously two different kind of strikers. Wilson more of a More of a Lafondra type, if you want to compare him to somebody in our immediate past. Lafferty, maybe a bit more of an Elad's Juve, perhaps, in the fact that he seems to be a complete (laughs) bastard. Uh, (laughs) A a, a complete and utter bastard. Um, But Wilson and Lafferty, um, what do you know about either? What do you think they could bring and what likelihood do you think we've got of signing them? Um, I don't think we'll sign either, to be honest. I
2: mean, Derby have been linked with Wilson and I know they've had a poor start to the season. The only thing that we might have over Derby is locality and the fact that he's... He's a united player and he's he's from the area. He'd start
1: for um, us as well, and he wouldn't
2: start oh, for Absolutely he'd start for us. Um I'd like him. I, I don't I don't think it'll happen. Lafferty's gonna be linked with with everybody because at the minute he's in the news because he's scoring for his country and then not getting a, a sniff for his club. Um, but being a, a notorious womanizer, I don't think he's gonna want to move to uh, to Bolton, is he? Um, <laughs> I don't Slim slim pickings. the no, That's
0: right, yeah. Was it Georgi Haristov back in the day? I don't know if you remember him, Dan. He was a Bulgarian striker who played for Barnsley and he said that Barnsley had the uh, the ugliest women of all the people that he'd seen in the history of the world. <laughs> as well. Something like, along those lines it was really endeared himself to the to the new club. But so where do you stand on those two potential incoming transfers, Dan?
1: to yeah, uh, I think it makes sense why the links specifically to us keep coming up with Lennon knowing him. I think no, Lennon commented on that transfer as well, saying but you know he's a, you know he likes him as a player and whatnot. I think a I think he'd be a bit too similar to Medine, similar build, similar play style. Second, you know he's not got a good scoring record at his club. When playing for Northern Ireland, he becomes you know unplayable, just like you know David Healy. i was just
0: gonna say yeah, reminded very very similar to David Healy. who <laughs> he Obviously, had spells at uh, United and Preston and people like that, but never quite hit the ground running, did he? When it, as far as he did at international level, at least.
1: So yeah, with so after it, it I think it makes sense, but why the links are coming up, but he's not the play we need. I know we need a striker but we don't need his type of striker. Wilson Wilson, I think we have got a good we've got a good chance as anyone for signing him. I think Tom's hitting out head locality and what's Darby are being linked, you know, he's not gonna start for them. They've spent upwards of 10, well about what, six million on strikers alone, so you are you Darren Bent, the amount of wages he'll be on the signing on fee. They've got Chris Martin, they've got you know, they've got attacking prowess. And they and they tend to only play with one striker. And he's not getting in. He's not getting in ahead of Martin. So he's not going. He's not going to start for the Derby if play at all. He's he'd be going there for squad depth. And it depends if United would prefer him to be in a well, they're not at the minute. But you know, a title challenging team, or you know, he's going to stay. He'd start for us every week, no question. And I said with locality, playing games. You know, he knows. I'm sure Amos can get on his ear. So it's a great club and whatnot. I I, I could see it. No, 20 clubs are in for him. It's a you know, it's a rat race, really, but I think we've got as good a chance as anyone.
0: Well, I think we've seen with LaFondre, haven't we, the type of play that Lennon thinks that we need and I think that probably it, it bends more towards Wilson than Lafferty from my point of view. Definitely. Um, Laffer- I'm sure I remember reading somewhere Lafferty and seeing a picture of Lafferty and Lennon having a bit of a to-do. Never mind yeah. uh, being pally. I guess it's the, you know the the Northern Irish thing and the Celtic Rangers divide as well. But I, I could be mistaken. But Lafferty obviously has got a bit of a nasty streak in him, which we, we do like at Wanderers, don't we? Uh, I, I suspect both might be destined out, destined for elsewhere, but, but, but time will tell. Um, OK, so just last couple of bits and pieces on this one. Max Clayton started and scored for the reserves again tonight. Uh, sorry, for the first time tonight against Millwall. Um, it, it, I keep forgetting about Max Clayton. I'll be dead honest with you. Um, he, he's there. He's there as an option, isn't he? In the, in the next month or two, perhaps when he's back up to speed, played a couple more reserve games, and and coming back into into first team reckoning. Jamie Thomas scored also, um, and we also saw games from Pisano, Trotter, and David Weeter. Uh, Dan, come to you first on that one. Clayton, Thomas. Pisano, Trotter, and Weito—we're starting to have a bit of a bit of squad depth about us all of a sudden, aren't we?
1: Yeah, it's really good we've got, apart from up front, where well, we do have players there, but you know, not very good ones really. But everywhere else, we've got two players, if not more, who can fit in. Well, apart from in net, because we're not talking about Richupka, But in every position, we've got two players who could see, Well, hopefully, Pisano and Casado, you know, match up to the billing. We've got two players who could. Pro- seemingly just seamlessly fit in i know that of the same quality of the people they'll be replacing or if not better so it's really good to see how much depth we've got i'm really happy is getting some time so obviously david's picked up an injury so it's good for you know getting some squad depth and i like wheat i think he, he's a he's a different center back to what we've got he's just big no nonsense and he's surprisingly for his size he's actually quite an intelligent player i know he doesn't seem like it and he doesn't portray himself to be but i you know i think he's I think he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is, actually. With Trotter, you know, he's still going in God knows if he'll ever play (laughs) for us again. Pisano, you know, just needs to get his fitness up, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him soon. But Clayton is the one I want to talk about. I know Lennon keeps saying he's going to be back soon, but I didn't think he'd be this out of the blue. I thought it would be another month or two yet before we'd see him. But it's great. It's great that he scored straight away, uh, lobbed, uh, lobbed after two minutes, I believe it was. And... Question I'm going to ask you, could he be the striker we're looking for? Because he's different to Medine Heskey, he's quick, he's direct, he's skillful, and he's got an eye for a goal, so could he be the striker, Tom, that we need?
2: Uh, I don't think he's an out-and-out striker by the looks of it. Um, I think, every, like you, uh, like the both of you actually, I keep forgetting about him. Um, and then if you, every time I remember I get a bit excited, I mean, if you can imagine... Clayton on the left, Silver on the right, and Cluffin behind. Obviously, new number nine, Kevin Nolan. Chris, um, <laughs> it, it just that that three behind a striker is is a very exciting um, attacking uh, midfield, shall we say? Um, I don't think. It, from, well, I've only seen a limited amount of football from him, but he doesn't strike me as an out-and-out striker. He'll definitely provide goals, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't play him as a as a number nine.
1: Mm.
0: No, I think I think I would uh, I would concur on that one. I think as a, uh, the modern term support striker, I think that's probably the rest yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the best description for Clayton. And like you say, either side of of Clough behind a central striker, whoever that may be, uh, midfielder, centre half or centre forward, playing up front, who cares? Uh, I think there's definitely a, a real excitement about that comeback because obviously we, we we saw in his short time last year just how good he could potentially be, and to have him back, he's a real real positive for us. Uh, Jamie Thomas scored again. Um, I, I don't really want to get carried away but there's going to come a time where you can't ignore all these goals Tom I know he's only a young lad 17 18 year old but how often how soon do you go ignoring this sort of the sort of numbers that he keeps getting I know he's only a tapping from two yards tonight but he's in the right place at the right time to capitalise and with the struggles of Medin the struggles of Heskey um, and Nolan not turning up at centre forward yet either uh, how long do you give it before you you know you at least chuck him on the bench and just see what he can do I mean
2: I said at the start of the year um yeah. to give him a full season in the development squad yeah, so I, I suppose that. I'm going to have to I suppose I'm going to have to stand behind that comment I think the, obviously the potentials there because of because of the way he's performing um if if I'm sure if if there are a couple of injuries um then I'm sure he might appear on the bench uh, once or twice and he might get some first team game time at one point in the season yeah um it might be the case that he, that, he, that we see a bit of him in the first team, but I wouldn't want to, um, to rush him through. But then again, the, the last the last young player we rushed through was Zach Clough, and he just set the world on fire, didn't he? So, uh, to be honest, I, I trust the manager with um, with his knowledge or his, his uh, perception of younger players, and I'm sure if he sees enough from Thomas to suggest he's ready, then
0: Lennon's going to have no worries giving him a chance. I agree. There's going to be a piece going up on the website probably tomorrow from uh, from all the other Tom who's going to be who's at the game tonight, reporting from it as our official under 21 correspondent, and he's going to hopefully wax lyrical about all these uh, these impressive young youngsters that we seem to seem to be pushing through. Uh, One who didn't make didn't play tonight, but who's been on the you know the 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 names been on the tip of all our tongues in the last week or so. is young. Uh, Alex Samizadeh the, the uh, Iranian center forward who we picked up from Manchester City when he uh, he wasn't taken up by their academy a few weeks ago. Um he's a bit of a wild card isn't he? Um Tom um uh, sorry Dan I've come to you for the time on, on to the Thomas matter. But Dan Samizadeh is a uh, Iranian born center forward who similarly can't stop scoring but you know, he's only 16 so we're not going to start uh, talking about him going in the first team anytime. Hello. Is that
1: your mic
0: eh? Yeah, I'm back on. I'm back Let's on. Carry on uh, speaking. Yeah. Yeah, Carry on. So Samizadeh is a 16 year old lad who, obviously, is not looking at coming in the first team anytime soon. We don't think. But again, it's interesting that we're, we're piloting in these kids from elsewhere who seem to be seem to be doing really well. Um, to, to the credit of Ian Brunskill as well. Uh, so do you think Samizadeh's got a a chance of making it. I know it's difficult to say we've not seen him, but again, that, that, that volume of goals at reserve and under-21 level is, is something to be positive about, I think, isn't
1: it? I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but he's my new favourite player. Because to score a goal in an under-21 game and then to celebrate it with a back-heel, kick-flipping, back-heel, twirly, whirly thing is absolutely heroic and fair play to it. I, I do not expect that coming, but you no. It's... <laughs> No, it's just another it's just an exciting time to see our academy, right? He's not our Academy hasn't produced him per se, but to see that we have so many young players coming through, I think was it was it's Samadazi he scored a hat trick on his debut from the under eighteens, has now scored eight goals so far for the under eighteens this season and has scored on his debut for the under twenty ones. So, you know, and at sixteen, seventeen just the well you know, sky's the limit at a minute. Obviously we can't you know, you don't want to put too much pressure on a kid of this age. He's got a long way to go in the game yet, could this could just be you know uh Batman's a back to me as a fire and just done it. I don't know. it could just be a fluke, but it's just exciting. We've got so many good young attacking players. You know, like some Woolery, Thomas. You know, George Newell's getting good reviews from the from Tom, Sam Izzardi, Thomas. I can't, I can't say his name, right but yeah, it's it's just promising, isn't it? And no, it's just good to be a Bolton fan again to see all these players coming through.
0: Definitely, and it's certainly something that we can look forward to over the coming the coming years, especially with McLennon in charge. I think he's really going to be. Keen to promote from within, obviously. While finances are tight until we get promoted to the Premier League next season, we're going to have to be to be guaranteed uh, some academy graduates in the side just to pad it out. Uh, but we'll knock that on the head for news uh, again. Another lovely short fifteen-minute segment there. That's gone to about forty by my count. How do do this? So we'll have a shh. I don't know. I don't know. We we'll just. We've obviously got nothing better in our lives than just whittering about football, but hey, yeah. that's what we're here for. Right, so stay where you are, listeners. Stay where you are, Dan. Stay where you are, Tom. We'll be back momentarily to discuss for Wednesday, which will be released. Let's assume Dan gets his podcast out in the morning tonight. <laughs> OK, penultimate segment of Love Pod 27. We're going to discuss, Chef, for Wednesday. Obviously, we're at Monday night. The game's Tuesday night, so we'll refer to it as this evening's game for the sake of uh, being back to the future. Wednesday, um, much fancy before the season started. Obviously, they had a, a high-profile takeover in the summer. Uh, a new fancy foreign manager in Carlos Carvajal made a couple of big Big money signings by their standards. Obviously, they were linked to Jordan Rhodes and Gary Hooper. Those moves didn't come off. Uh, One person that did come back to them was Mr Barry Bannon. So we'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, though, currently sit 19th with five points from six games. Uh, They lost 3-1 away to Burnley on Saturday. Very poor start from them. And A couple of Wednesday fans that I know have already begun grumbling about the manager and uh, anticipating that there may be a change on the card. So... Tom, I'll come to you first. How do you see the game going? Um, do you think we can contribute to the uh, the malaise around Sheffield Wednesday at this minute in time, plus continue our own good home form? Also, the return of Barry Bannon. Will you welcome him back, or do you think he was a, a bit of a bullet that we dodged in the summit? So the, the floor is yours.
2: I th- uh, with regards to Bannon, I'm not really that bothered. He um, was. It, it didn't seem like he was ever going to be, be coming back. Um, he's probably at the right level uh, in the championship, I think he could be a a good championship midfielder or a squad player uh, in in a struggling Premier League team. So I'm not really bothered about about welcoming him back. Um, in terms of the game, I think Gary Medine's going to take a temporary hiatus from his complete ineptitude and, and bag a brace. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know I've, I've I've said nothing positive about him both tonight and in previous pods. So don't ask me to justify it, but um I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna put a bet on a Gary Medine brace tomorrow night. Very interesting. And I, what sort of um team selection are you gonna come up with? Obviously, because David's still out, so you have thought Prince and Derek would be locks to uh, to continue at centre half. But Neil Dan's suffered a concussion against Wolves, so he won't be playing. I think it's just a natural natural thing to assume that Josh Fell is gonna come in and, and reprise his role that he played for the majority of the second half on Saturday. And Dan, do you think there's any any Alternative to that, I think it's just pretty like likely and straightforward.
1: I think no, I think Spearing doesn't come in with a shout because whilst Vella did very well on the ball on Saturday, you know, he looked sharp, he looked good on the ball, but um, he left us a little bit more open, and that's when Wolves, you know, that, that's when that twenty minutes when Wolves came into it a bit more. But thankfully, defence held firm. I think Vella, whilst I really like him, I think whilst in midfield, he doesn't offer that too much protection, and when you've got Davis who you know, even though I just commented on how good defensively he is now, he's, he's an attacking minded player. So against Wednesday I could potentially see Spearing coming in, but I'd be happy either way. But on Wednesday, I know the table you know, the table doesn't lie and they do look like they're not at the best of starts, but they're a completely different team now. I was talking I've got a very good friend of mine, who's a Burnley fan, who went to the game on Saturday and he said he doesn't know how they won at all. Like they, Wednesday are a completely different team to the one they were last season. They're a lot more impetus on attacking now. They've got some really good players, and you know they only got you know they got look. There was one one going into like the last ten minutes. I think um, our mate Matty Taylor popped up with one, and then they scored one in like the in deep into added time. So it was not, no I no mean, the score line is a flatters Burnley a bit there. I think with Wednesday they've signed players like Fernando Forestieri, Daniel Pudil. Bannon obviously, um, that young that's, that winger, Mattis, I think he is he's, you know, he's one of their biggest signings since the 90s, I think they're a different team now, and I think it's hard to know what to expect, that's why I can potentially see Spearing coming in for it and as I mentioned earlier, they've got a big bastard of a striker up front I can't say it but you know who
0: New, I mean? Nuhu. He's like Albanian or something. Yeah, yeah. He, I've seen him play a few times. He's one of these ones that doesn't look like a footballer. Yep. Um But I don't definitely. really want to say that too loud in case he in case he goes on and plays well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that'll be that'll be Derek and Prince's biggest test so far. So whilst you know they've dealt, we've seen that they can deal with pace and you know nimble players very well. See if they can deal with a big bastard now, and hopefully they come off good.
0: Fingers crossed. Well, what's your score prediction, Tom? Uh,
2: 3-1 Madim Brace and excellent I don't care who goes yeah win win Dan what
0: about yourself
1: see I'm I'm split as I just said I think Wednesday are a very good team now. I can see them pushing for playoffs if they get their act together but we're in good form they're not we're at home we're good at home I can see us winning another so I can see us getting another victory I'm going to say 2-0 no. and goal scorers yep if you want one uh, Derek I'm going to say Derek every week because Derek's going to score eventually so Derek (laughs) and then Silver Silver
0: Excellent. Well, I, I heartily agree on the on the win. I'm not going to go with a score prediction, but I, I do fancy us to to take the three points and and continue our recent good performances and our good form as well. We're playing really well at the moment. I'm really happy with things as well. I know we're not exactly high on the table at this minute in time, but it's an early early part of the season still. So yeah, a win for me also. Fingers crossed we can uh, we can make it a resounding one to give us some confidence going forward to to Huddersfield this Saturday. Right, brilliant. So we'll just keep it quick and, and, and easy on the on the um, Sheffield Wednesday chat, fellas. Dive straight into the Twitter question as well. Um, so based upon the the Wolves result and the Wolves performance, we asked uh, readers, listeners, followers, blah, 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 if they thought that BWFC had the platform now to succeed in this division uh, and possibly have a real go at promotion as well. So we had a, a wide variety of responses, some positive and some negative. But let's dive in. We'll go through them and I'll ask you both your, your answers to that question at the end. So Mark Critchley on Twitter said, In a word, no. We'll struggle for goals all season without a decent striker. Mid-table again for BWFC. Mid-table probably a bit of progression, actually, given the last couple of seasons. Gareth Stone, depends on what you define as success. Given our budget, staying up would be a success. Going up would be a miracle. Craig Monks has said, Not promotion. Getting into the top half would represent a very successful year in my book, and I think that's achievable. Russell Carr has said, Doubtful this year, if we were to have a go, it comes down to getting a finisher in and keeping Mark Davies fit. Mark Weaver says, striker and Nolan, and we can give playoffs a good go. Notice Tommy didn't combine the two. Uh, Striker like Nolan. (laughs) Uh, Janet Marland, if we had a reliable striker, I think we'd be a top six side. Trotter in exile, without investment, not a chance. Jack Stewart, think we have a platform to do okay. A proper goal scorer could transform us equally. Injuries could wreck us. Finally balanced. So Jack is a glass half full, gentlemen, I think. Mm -hmm. BWSC News and Views. We are a striker off being a top team. Medin should have scored two and Heskey won yesterday. Yesterday being Saturday. Sign a striker and yes. Paul Howard, slightly negative approach. Without a new striker, no chance whatsoever. And to finish off, Danny West has said, we do still need an out-and-out striker, but it's nowhere near as doom and gloom as many think it is. Uh, My two penneth on that, I've said already about, I think we're a decent team, just missing that little edge. Um, maybe we found it now. Confidence boosting win over a good team with good, good players such as and Wanderers could do a miracle for us. I mean, taking on Wednesday at home again so soon after the Wolves' performance again could be a real benefit. Um, two wins on the spin on this league, and we'll um We might only be four or five points off the bottom top, but also top uh, the same amount of points from the top half and top six at the same time. It's a very very tight league at this point in the uh, in the season, and, and it can only give us a basis to continue. A real goal promotion? Well, that may be pie in the sky a little bit. Um, but as I said, with my my man love for Prince Desire w- w- what is football without hope and, uh, and imagination? Tom, same question to you. Then uh, after the Wolves game, do you think that Wanderers have the platform to succeed uh, and have a real goal promotion? Um, can I
2: distinguish between success and promotion? Yeah, well, success is relative. We go for it. Um, yes, we can succeed. Um, I think promotion is beyond us. I do think that um, if we are to, to go up, we are um, a, a couple of, or possibly one or two seasons of building away from getting there. Um, so, yes, we can succeed, but for me, success would be um, to, to remain out of the dogfight that we found ourselves in last year um, at, at, at certain stages and, and we have done in the past. On uh, the previous management, <coughs> dug it. Um, so, f- anywhere, anywhere between twelfth and, and knocking on the door of the playoffs for me, it'd be a success. But I think that, I think promotions uh, a couple of steps too far at the minute. Dan, where do you stand at the
1: rate? Well, a few weeks ago, I was a bit dim and gloom, and I think I said like, if we don't sign a out and out striker who'll get goals, then we're we'll, we're looking at relegation or you know another very low finish season. But I'm not as negative now. I think Nolan's done incredibly well on literally no budget to bring to make a. a you know, we've got debt. We didn't have this squad depth last season. Somehow he's managed to, even though he's lost in the last two transfer windows, he's lost you what you'd consider our best players every time in Bogdan, Chungi, and uh, Tim. And he's we somehow come out of it. We've somehow come out of it a better team. We've got more depth in every position. And we just look stronger. We've got a good balance of experience with Dobby and Heskey, and oh, just it's just a shame we've not got either. And then with youth, with Clough, Walker, Vella, etc. So without a striker, I think we'll finish from anywhere from twelfth to about sixty for so, that type of area. And if we get a striker in, then we could we could get top half quite easily. I think it's just all depends. And as someone mentioned, then if we Keep injury free, which is a, you know, a massive if when it's Bolton Wanderers. But no, I'm not. I'm not as don't. You know, it'll change by Tuesday when we lose. But I'm not as disheartened as I was, and I think you know, things are looking positive for Bolton at the minute. Just let's just hope Claudio Avanieri keeps up the good work. Good on you, pal. I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's done well, hasn't he? He surprised me a little yeah. bit. Obviously, we said about how Lennon would be the first manager uh, into the Premier League in October when Ranieri when, yeah, was sacked. But hey, it looks like he may be at Chelsea, never mind, Leicester. Right, Brill, well, uh, we'll call that a day for tonight. Um, I started watching a film with Tom Harding last night called Lock, and I want to try and watch the oh, end of it before.
1: It's brilliant. Oh, shit.
0: I'll tell you, Daniel, I've actually seen it before and it's brilliant, Oh, so no, it's you're completely boring. wrong. And his accent, and...
1: his accent, come on. He's Welsh, that, what do you want him to do? He's not Welsh, you're, he's you're in. Punished the, in, in, you're, in the film, is, Yeah, I know Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, but he doesn't need to be Welsh. You're punished He doesn't him for that choose his accent. He doesn't need to be no, Welsh. No, that's right. Do you know, I've got a story. I heard a story about uh, Tom Hardy. Do you know, because he's like method acting or whatever. Yeah, go on. Um, during Mad Max, apparently that Charlie's for almost like Probably fell out with him because he was method acting, so he was just silent and moody all the time on the set, apparently, which is a bit weird. I can't imagine being like a method. That, that.
0: Mad Max is my film of the summer. Oh, it's Absolutely fucking amazing. Sensational. But anyway, on that diversion, we'll uh, we'll nip it in the head for the line of Vienna Film Review Podcast Number Twenty Seven. And um, one thing I just ask to do before we uh, before we leave, obviously, you've seen a couple of tweets. We've been nominated very kindly by uh, by certain certain members of our of our audience we appreciate for one of the football blogging awards and um, obviously we're only fans we just do this out of the good of our heart plus we like talking about football with other fans too and um, the response from the the, the the readership and the listenership has been superb in the last six months we've been breaking records left right and center um with our readership and so on as well uh, and this blogging award is a real real pleasure for us as well we all feel really uh, appreciative of what we uh, of what you think of us you can vote for the podcast and for the website in these football blogging awards by visiting footballbloggingawards.co.uk slash vote dash now Um put us forward in that category. I don't know what the prizes are. If there are any prizes at all, we'll, we'll obviously will not be sharing them with you lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could enter line of dot in these categories, uh, we'd be eternally grateful. You do have to confirm your vote via email afterwards. We have heard about some votes going in the spam folders too. Um, but taking a couple of minutes of your time just to, to maybe um, to fill that in on our behalf, we would be gratefully appreciative. Um, we will be holding a fundraising party in the fan zone uh, again, before the Sheffield Wednesday game tonight. About quarter past seven onwards, um, Dan Murphy's at the bar with his student loan check in hand. Uh, he's promised to buy everybody who votes <laughs> a pie uh, a pie or a soft drink of your choice to the value of two quid. Um, so, yeah, we'd, we'd love to win. I mean, we're not egomaniacs. Too much, even though we put our names on the internet every single day to be to be shot at. Uh, but it is there if you think what we do is worthy of some sort of praise from an independent body. So yeah, that's there if you want to go for it. Otherwise, leave us a rating on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, that's the one. Um Dan, Tom, thanks very much for your time tonight. Um this is a very emotional podcast for Dan, obviously. He's he's heading off to big school uh next week. He's not gonna be here for the podcast, so It'll be myself, New Tech Wiz Rob uh, and AN Other. Tom, not that we don't love you, but we may shake it up next week. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's it then for Love Pod 27. Thanks very much for listening. Lads, thanks for your time. Um good performance for Bolton against Wednesday, and we'll be back on Sunday to dissect that and the Huddersfield results together. So have a pleasant evening, enjoy the game, and thanks for downloading. Cheers, bye.